Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai It is 7 o'clock uh, Central African time. A very good morning to you and welcome to the third and final hour of Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa giving you news from an African perspective. We are broadcasting live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are online on www.channelafrica.co.za and on channel 802 on the DSTV audio bouquet. My name is Teddy CBR in studio with me this morning is uh, Anne Musa and Tabiso Lehoko. For your top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at this hour, the tobacco lobby gears for a court challenge against the South African government's ban of tobacco products. India has begun easing a, nation- a nationwide lockdown which had threatened to drag the country into recession. And in economics, the textile manufacturers in Kenya have stepped up production of personal protective equipment as demand surges and efforts to battle the spread of the coronavirus intensity. But first to hear are the news with uh, Anna Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa. A group frustrated with the ongoing national lockdown in South Africa says over 50,000 people have signed an online petition calling on the South African government to lift the COVID-19 lockdown. The end of lockdown in Zanzi movement wants the lockdown to be lifted within three to five weeks. Its spokesperson Michael Southwood says if the lockdown is allowed to continue, it could lead to thousands of people going to bed without food to eat. The end of lockdown and Zanzi movement that we've started is focused on saving South Africa from starvation as opposed to trying to save South Africa from a virus that's only going to affect a very few people. Starvation will ultimately affect pretty much every single person in South Africa. And this is what we're about. We're trying to stop this lockdown so that people can get back to work and start earning a living and so that we can save our economy and we can save our country from starvation and from complete bankruptcy. Well, at this stage, I can't give you a date because we're not publishing that date, but we are looking at between the next three to five weeks. Staying in South Africa, the country's Justice Minister, Ronald Lamola, says it's premature to indicate whether thousands of prisoners will be released early in an effort to curb the spread of the virus. There have been media reports and speculation that consideration has been given to release some prisoners due to the threat of the coronavirus in prisons. There are over 150 cases of COVID-19 in correctional services, including both inmates and officials. Lamola was responding to questions from MPs in the Justice and Correctional Services Committee during a virtual briefing. Chairperson, I do not want to go into the details. It's not like we do not want to give the committee any further information, but our view is that on this issue of whether there will be a release or non-release, it is still premature uh, at this stage up until the necessary protocols have been concluded and an announcement is made. The director of Tanzania's National Health Laboratory and its quality manager have both been suspended pending investigation. 
The suspension of the top officials comes after President John Makafuli questioned the credibility of coronavirus testing kits being used by the lab. In a live broadcast from Shatu in northwestern Tanzania, Makafuli revealed that he secretly commissioned testing of randomly collected non-human samples which were assigned names and ages. He said some samples taken from animals and fruits returned inconclusive results, some tested negative and others showing positive results. A statement from the health ministry said the minister has formed a committee of 10 people to investigate the conduct of the laboratory. Research by French doctors has suggested that the coronavirus was in the country at the end of December, a month before the first official recorded case. A hospital in Paris has re-examined old swab samples from pneumonia patients to see if they had COVID-19. Out of 24 samples, one tested positive for the coronavirus. France has nearly 170,000 confirmed coronavirus cases and over 25,000 COVID-19-related deaths. Deaths. Dr. Eve Cohen, who made the discovery, told the BBC of its significance. It tells us the virus existed in France in December. This is important because to fight a virus, you need to know its life cycle. So this case will allow us to better understand the evolution of the virus on French soil. Scientists in Kenya and Britain have discovered a, micro, a microbe that they say has enormous potential to control malaria. The disease kills more than 400,000 people a year. The microbe protects mosquitoes, which spread the disease from being infected. Malaria is spread by the bite of infected mosquitoes, so protecting them could in turn protect people. The BBC's Jem Gallagher reports. The malaria-blocking bug is called Microsporidia MB. It was discovered by studying mosquitoes on the shores of Lake Victoria in Kenya. The researchers could not find a single mosquito carrying microsporidia that was also harbouring the malaria parasite. And lab experiments confirmed the microbe gave the mosquitoes protection. The researchers now need to find ways of spreading the microbes. In sports, professional golf association tour says Rory McIlroy will team up with Dustin Johnson to take on American duo Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf in a three million US dollar charity skins match on the 17th of May as televised golf returns amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The competition will follow strict social distancing guidelines and use appropriate testing measures to help protect the health of those involved. All proceeds will go towards COVID-19 relief efforts with McElroy and Johnson playing with American Nurses Foundation and Fowler and Wolf playing for the CDC Foundation. And finally, 10 people tested positive for coronavirus in more than 1,700 tests carried out by Germany's professional football league, the DFL, at its 36 clubs ahead of a planned resumption of full training. The DFL, which tested players and coaching staff at the Bundesliga and the two Bundesliga teams, did not identify those who had tested positive or their clubs 
and said the cases had been reported to health authorities. The DFL has submitted a health safety plan for games without spectators, which includes regular testing of players, but no quarantine for entire squads in cases of positive tests. The German league has been suspended since mid-March due to the coronavirus pandemic, and the government is expected to decide on Wednesday on a potential resumption. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. The Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association says it has filed a court application challenging the South African government's ban on the sale of cigarettes. This after President Cyril Ramaphosa came out of uh, in, de- in defense rather of the decision in his weekly letter in which he asserts that the decision was taken collectively. Ramaphosa's comment followed British American tobacco's threat to take legal action against the cooperative governance and traditional affairs minister Dr. Nkosazane Lamini Zuma if her office could not offer a formal response about why the ban of cigarette sales remains in place. Naledi Ngobo reports. British American Tobacco and the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association, or FITA, have been lobbying government to lift the ban on cigarette sales even before President Cyril Ramaphosa announced Level 4 of the lockdown regulations. The two entities are pursuing separate court action against government over the sustained ban on cigarette sales. FITA Chairperson Sinentlantla Mguni explains. We are bringing a completely separate application to the one that um, is being brought by British American Tobacco. Now, I accept that the, the, the merits of our cases may be very similar and a lot of issues may overlap. However, it is good to see that uh, many players along the tobacco industry value chain, um, not just limited to, to the two parties which are bringing court actions, are unified in as far as challenging this ban on the sale of cigarettes. Nguni says the ban continues to have far-reaching economic implications for those directly involved in the tobacco industry value chain. You would understand that the industry firstly employs a large number of people, starting from the, the beginning phase where it's the farming, where it has farm workers and farmers, and then you have the processors, the manufacturers and the factory workers therein, and then you have retailers, which comprise hawkers and spaza shop owners. Um, So what we're saying is that the impact economically is quite significant, especially when you factor in the fact that the illicit trade in the sale of cigarettes is currently thriving as legitimate sales are not permitted during the lockdown period. The National Council Against Smoking, or NCAS, says it supports the ban on the sale of cigarettes during the national lockdown as smoking tobacco compromises the respiratory system, which is most vulnerable to the coronavirus. NCAS Director Savera Khalidin elaborates. It's very clear we're in the middle of a health pandemic. The the virus affects the respiratory system and tobacco uh, compromises the immune system as well as affects the respiratory system very, very severely. And government has a responsibility to take action uh, in the interests of public health. We know that we are in a situation where we're getting new evidence about the uh, pandemic on a, on a daily basis. So we're learning, government's learning, WHO is learning all of the time. So that creates a kind of justification for them to, to do actually change their minds. That is the situation that we find ourselves in. 
The South African Revenue Service has reported that it has thus far lost 1.5 billion rand in syntax revenue since the implementation of the lockdown. I'm Naledi Ngobo in Johannesburg. Meanwhile, many civil society organizations have welcomed the South African government's uh, decision to uphold the ban on tobacco sales, agreeing that tobacco use can worsen the progression of COVID-19. Banning tobacco sales will reduce tobacco consumption, thereby reducing uh, the burden of severe cases of COVID-19 on the health system. Tobacco smoke weakens the immune system and comprises the ability of the lungs to fight viral and bacterial infections. Having optimal lung function is critical when dealing with a virus such as COVID-19 that primarily attacks the respiratory health. Dean of the School of Nursing and Public Health at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, Professor Mosa Moshabela, earlier joined us on the line to discuss this further. It is uh, deductive logic, right? Um, in in my view, I think it's a little bit um, uh, unfair, and I think that it is uh, exploiting the lack of um, adequate scientific knowledge about a condition that was only known about maybe about for about four months. Um, so we are not going to have all the pieces of the in- of information. And it is true, and I want to say this very explicitly, Terry, that it is true that we haven't done studies that have followed up people who do not have COVID-19, who are smokers compared to non-smokers, followed them up over time, over many months and many years, to see how many are going to get COVID-19 among smokers and how many are going to get COVID-19 among non-smokers and prove that those who are smokers are going to get more COVID-19. That's the only way we can do a study that can prove without uh, doubt that people who are smokers are at more risk Mm. of getting COVID-19. There are no studies like that. There hasn't been time for that. But just because the scientific community has not had the time to prove that the risk is higher among smokers of acquiring or contracting COVID-19. It does not dispute the evidence we have today that demonstrate that people who are smokers are at a much higher risk of severe disease. To then kind of miss out, leave out that piece of information is, is not right. It's misleading the public. We need to acknowledge that and recognize that the people that are smoking are going to suffer more in terms of uh, uh, the disease itself, but also in terms of putting a lot of pressure on the limited resources that we have in the system, and they're going to die more. And so if this is a modifiable risk factor like smoking, you know, there are things that are not modifiable like age, like the fact that someone has a heart disease. It's there. There's nothing we can do about Mm. it. But if it's modifiable like smoking why are we debating about it it's not about the lives and well-being of the people that have covid that that are smoking it's not about them 
if it is about them, then there's no question about it. Now, Professor, would you say that the hard lockdown that was in effect in the last five weeks has had positive impact, if any, on the country's health system? Absolutely. If you look at the data that shows us that uh, the CAV has taken a different uh, path compared to other countries, Again, we don't need to have the evidence to prove that we are experiencing this for the first time. It is deductive logic, Terry, to see it and see that the burden, the number of cases has basically been lighter than what we had expected to have. Therefore, deducting from that, we can conclude that we may have actually averted a situation that would have been worse than we see now. But now, Professor, I mean, will the country reap any benefits from this ban, especially as the economy is said to be bleeding dry from the loss of income generated by the sale of tobacco products? Yeah, Terry, I I don't necessarily think that um, there is a tension between the health and um, well-being of people and the economy. Right, especially because people think that the economy and livelihoods are the same thing. They are not the same thing. The mm-hmm. economy that most of people are, most people are talking about, is macroeconomy. That is for industry. If we are going to talk about the social aspects that people are going to be that affect people every day, their health is very important to that. In fact, it comes first. But then there are also other things that are important. The fact that they need to be able to eat, the fact that they need to retain their dignity. Those things, I agree that government was supposed to have done enough from the beginning to make sure that whatever effort is being made today to make sure that cash gets into the hands of people, that was supposed to have been done early on. I accept that. It's not that it's not that the decisions that they are making and the efforts they are making to support households is wrong. No, it is to say that it was supposed to have been done earlier and made sure that people understand exactly how to do it. I mean, it didn't. It doesn't make sense to make UIF available, but then companies get it, but then it doesn't get into the hands of the households. Those things are problematic as far as I'm concerned. At the end of the day, I think that what we are doing nationally from a public health perspective it is to make sure that we preserve lives so that people can continue to be able to be productive and most people and you know sometimes the problem is that when a country has not seen the worst effect of COVID-19 it's easy to stand on top of a mountain and say that you know our situation is not so bad why are we sitting in our households that that's what I call you know being a victim of your own success if government had not introduced the lockdown and the number of cases followed the other countries like UK and Italy, the same people would be standing on top of the mountain and saying, why did government not introduce a lockdown? Very same people. And that is a Professor Musa Mashabela, Dean of the School of Nursing and Public Health at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. For your latest on the novel coronavirus disease for Channel Africa, Amoki Kinzaka in Yaoundi, Cameroon. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth. Hands touch many surfaces and can pick up viruses.
coronavirus has killed thousands in a global pandemic, leading to sweeping changes. Several countries have scaled up their responses and put in place strict controls, including South Africa. Channel Africa, broadcasting from South Africa, will continue to bring you news and current affairs during this period, whereby a 21-day lockdown is effective. We will keep you updated and informed during this period as we bring you news and current affairs from an African perspective. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus for Channel Africa in Mombasa, Kenya, I am Diana Wanyonyi. Droplets spread virus. By following good respiratory hygiene, you protect the people around you from viruses such as cold, flu, and COVID-19. South Africans have since last week been engaged in a debate of who is in charge of the country. This follows the confusing messages that emerged between President Cyril Ramaphosa and his Cabinet Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs, Dr. Nkosazane Zaminizuma. Ramaphosa had announced that cigarettes would go on sale during the Level 4 lockdown, while Cocktail's minister announced that the ban would continue. This has since raised questions and about rather the open defiance of the president and questions about who is in charge. Political analyst Dr. Soma Dota Fikeni gives us his perspective. I doubt there is anything that has substantiated that because up to this moment we've seen great consultations within the cabinet and externally. And we've also seen that once the cigarette unbanning was proposed or presented, there was quite a wide reaction from the public and from other political parties as well. So to that extent, what we've seen is government rethinking its position. And do you believe that those within the ANC could use this time to fight their faction battles and not prioritize the lives of the people of South Africa and the economy? The factionalism within the ANC has always been there, so any other opportunity that would suggest that there could be a chasm or a division, they will take advantage of that. But there is no doubt that as ANC was heading to its policy conference, different factions were positioning themselves. So if they see any slightest of the cracks, they will utilize that and have a narrative from each angle. And would you say that President Ramaphosa needs to come out and clarify the reasons for the confusion between his leadership and Lamine Zuma's role during this lockdown? If I judge him from the past, he doesn't seem to want to react immediately. He waits for a moment. He does the consultations. Yes, his office has already indicated that this was a collective decision. But uh, I do think that at a given moment, he may try to revisit this and uh, try to quell the perception. And how would you rate how the ANC leadership has been steering the country during the difficult period which we're in right now? Well, so far I think they've done well because we haven't seen the fractional wrangling. We've seen ministers up and about and also working uh, in a very visible manner. And we've also seen great consultation with other role players such as the opposition parties, the business sector, the labor. So, so far during this period of a crisis, 
they seem to have done better than during their average period in office. That was political analyst Dr. Somatota Fikeni on the line there talking to Samora Mangesi. Social distancing does not mean social disconnecting. Now more than ever, there is a need to reconnect, to care and to be alive to the fact as South Africans, we live in an unequal society where not all of us have access to healthcare, remote working facilities, financial liquidity to stock up on supplies, nor to psychologically, psychological rather safety. In the South African context of widening inequality mixed with the pressure of COVID-19, conscious and inclusive leadership of both our personal and professional life is required to counterbalance the panic and anxiety of this uncertain time. Samora Mangesi spoke to attorney and director at Cohesion Collective, an equality, uh, inequality, diversity and inclusions consulting and implementation firm Roxy Gluckman. Part of that's the connection that we feel like maybe we've missed over the lockdown is something we now need to be leaning into. Um, and I think it's a particular type of connection for me at the moment, particularly now as they're easing out of some of the lockdown, is really thinking about connection over security. So how do we start connecting and creating a sense of collective security in the face of uncertainty? Mm, and obviously the issues of finances uh, mm-hmm. has the world up uh, well, turned upside down basically right now with the Absolutely. closed business activities. How does one deal with such during this time? Totally. I, I, you know, I think this is the time really for leadership in, in all our organizations, in, in community spaces and government and governments really leading the pack in terms of how leaders can create that certainty. But it's really like when we're thinking about the finances, really what, the security that we need to be creating is not only job security, for the individuals within our teams, within our organizations, but also how we can start thinking about inequalities and creating. I mean, we've seen amazing efforts to pool resources, redistribute. How do we continue that same philosophy and that thinking into our life post-COVID is really going to be the critical role of leadership to keep us motivated to thinking about our social inclusion and cohesion project. Now, Roy, um, how does one look after their sanity in this time of isolation? Is it even possible, actually? <laughs> I mean, you're asking somebody who's, who has to kind of check his sanity as well. Look, I, you know, I think, I think there's so many conversations we've been having about the general exhaustion um, in this time. And I think part of that exhaustion is really dealing with and having to constantly calculate the uncertainty. Are we going to be okay financially? Am I going to have a job? What is the future going to look like? And I think that how do we just allow ourselves to be exhausted, to kind of look at that exhaustion and say that we are trying to process so much and for that to be okay, really. So how do I, I think the, the, the self-care element here is to realize that we're in crisis coming out of this crisis, again, doesn't create any more certainty. In fact, it creates a little bit less because now we have to renegotiate our lives in level four, wherever we are. Um, so really, it's just about taking it easy, that sense of self-care that uh, we're still very much in crisis and that exhaustion is probably going to continue and that's okay. Even without lockdowns, we've had our yeah. most vulnerable friends and family members facing difficult yeah. situations. Is there anything that can be done to assist during these difficult times? Sure. I mean, I, I think what's really been interesting about about COVID is not so much that it's a system-changing event, but it's really revealed the system to us. Right? It revealed 
the inequalities that exist in society in the, in, in the most kind of obvious way. You know, and for, for most of society who don't necessarily deal with it, the idea of exclusion, you know, kind of seeing it play out so obviously now is, has really shaken some of the, 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 the foundations of our society in terms of wanting to act. And I think that there have been a lot of, and there will continue to be, like I said, this rallying around communities, creating, thinking about redistribution of resources, and, and, and hopefully that can continue. But really, I think the idea of access is, is what is going to be critically important. And um, we've seen with COVID, the idea of access to healthcare was one of the main reasons we went into lockdown. And how do we start continuing to understand and have conversations about the unequal access, not only to job opportunities, but also to financing, also to financial support and to working at home remotely. And, and how do we start bridging this, this, this lack or this inequality of access within our society? And that's not only the government's role, that's all of our role, right? And, and, and the little bit that we can do and to continue to have these conversations about inequality, I think is incredibly important. Now, what recommendations would you make regarding the lessons from COVID-19 and and just this period in general? Yeah, you know, I think if anything, let's, you know, keep keep our expectations low about, uh, you know, about things changing or or about lessons. I, I think really what I hope that we take out of this is a greater sense of awareness of the inequality that still exists. You know, so often we want to shield ourselves and, and remain ignorant around the issues that exist as it relates to race and class and gender. And, and COVID really said, hey, you know, th- these issues are still here. You need to look at this. And I just hope that we are brave enough to continue to look at it as, we, as lockdown starts easing, that, that it doesn't just fall back into the background and stuff we don't talk about or only talk about in little small tables in our groups that feel safe. But we continue to put the conversation around the inequality between race, gender, sexual orientation, class language at the forefront of the decisions we make in our lives and uh, how we create business and how we remunerate and all of these things. So, so for me, it is really continuing the awareness that has started and bringing it into all the conversations that we have. So I've got very small uh, wishes, you know, very humble wishes for, for continuing in awareness growth for us. And that was Roy Clarkman, attorney and director at Cohesion Collective and Equality, Diversity and Inclusions Consulting and Implementation Firm. On the line, they're talking to Samora Mangesi. It is now time for the news headlines on Africa Rise and Shine with Anne Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good morning, I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the corruption case of former South African President Jacob Zuma and his co-accused French arms company Talis has been postponed to the 23rd of June. New Zealand has reported zero new coronavirus cases for the second day in a row, a week after it eased, it eased harsh lockdown measures. And the director of Tanzania's National Health Laboratory and its quality manager have both been 
suspended pending investigation. The suspension of the top officials comes after President John Makafuli questioned the credibility of coronavirus testing kits being used by the lab. Those are the stories making headlines. Africa, rise and shine. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Some learners across South Africa have shared the difficulties they have faced with online learning and being out of the classroom during the lockdown. Education remains one of South Africa's unequal sectors and the shift to online platforms for the dissemination of information means some will not have access. The Department of Basic Education, however, has made content available on platforms such as television and radio stations, but will this bridge the gap? Basic Education Minister Angie Mutsecha proposed that the reopening of schools for grade 7 and 12 be at the beginning of June, but the dominant narrative is that learners should remain at home until the end of this pandemic. Zalega Kodashe reports. Good morning, Great Wolves. My name is Grace Mwepang, your teacher for life sciences today. And the topic that we're going to focus on is human nervous system. Millions of South African learners are now receiving their education through screens. Normal lessons in school classrooms have been halted since the lockdown began two months ago. And with the uncertainty on the reopening of schools, the Department of Basic Education introduced learning programs on SABC TV and radio stations to ensure that learners stay abreast with their schoolwork. Online programs have also been made available. This, however, has come with its own challenges. 17-year-old Guthe Lanula has experienced some. The grade 12 learner has to ensure that she is up to date with her schoolwork during the lockdown and that she performs well in the most important grade of her high school career. Living in an informal settlement with limited resources also heightens the challenge for the quest of an education. Sanula explains the challenges she faces. Since it that is super cool, because Ngoku, Abazal Beto, Bakwazo, Queen, Sebenzin, so Imali, Bikoko, it that I can go as it was banal. So Ababanita, Bayakwaz, Ungena, and then Batate, Shambi in notices, Nikway, and then Bassinikatina, so that Sukwazo Kwanza e assignments as Nikwazo and a placipali note. And then, Ababa City, I have a cool, but I have a topic. So, Ube and Nigayas, but topic of color, Ivalenjani, using solutions along like a lady, Ubuna, and then go Kufneke, Upine, Ubuza, Omium to understand our yas, Yabaya, understand Abamakat Night and Ireland. And I am so that night and also Butishara, not night and night. The challenge has been the same for parents. Father Tuhlanula Mnadisi says learners are in need of assistance and parents often find it difficult to fill their educators' roles. As for challenges, quite a number of them because kids had to keep on asking questions pertaining to their schoolwork from us. We had to answer questions. Most of the questions one could not answer because I've never been as far as grade 12 myself, but I tried 
I even had to refer to some of my of my my other programs, educational programs, but she managed to get some of the answers. On Monday, SABC Education launched a 24-hour channel that provides content from the Department of Education to assist learners. The channel will program content currently available on SABC 1, 2 and 3, as well as some archive material. SABC Television General Manager David Magubiani says the channel is not yet free to air, but can be accessed on YouTube and digital terrestrial television platforms. The idea really is, with all the learners, being under lockdown, obviously it's affected them, it's affected the learning. So this is a platform for them to be able to catch up with uh, their curriculum. Um, it is in partnership with education, so it's curriculum-based content. So the SABC education channel will be available on digital terrestrial. If you've got a smart TV, you can actually tune and you've got an aerial uh, connected to your television. You can tune and actually find our DTT channels. It's already streaming on the SABC education website as a YouTube channel. Despite the challenges, the department has managed to reach about 35 million people in its partnership with TV and radio stations that have carried educational content for learners. Basic Education Minister Angie Motsega says the department has worked with different platforms and broadcasts in all official languages to ensure maximum reach. We partnered with 123 radio stations with six different television channels. And in total, those channels reach about 35 million people. And the initiative was ready to put in place an intervention to bring curriculum lessons to households across the country to assist learners as school remained closed. This was in bid to minimize the impact of coronavirus on basic education. In addition to the 13 radio stations of the SABC, which broadcast in all official languages, we had 110 community radio stations that were also involved in carrying curriculum contents on a daily basis. Meanwhile, teacher unions have expressed concern over the amplification and the level of inequalities faced by some learners. The South African Democratic Teachers Union, SATU, says despite government's efforts, learners in rural communities will be negatively affected in their academic progression. I'm Zolega Kodashi in Johannesburg. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus COVID-19 for Channel Africa in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, I'm Coletta Wanjohi. Once contaminated, hands can transfer the virus to your eyes, nose or mouth. From there, the virus can enter your body and make you sick. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yawundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. There's been a slight change to our programming. Your favorite program might not be broadcast at the usual time 
and you might just hear a program that you have missed. We, however, continue to keep you informed and entertained. Channel Africa, bringing you programming from an African perspective. India has begun easing a nationwide lockdown which had threatened to drag the country into recession. But millions of workers who fled to their native villages are unwilling to return and restart factories and businesses which shut down in March when the corona curfews were suddenly imposed. Rana Singh reports. The concessions announced on Monday did not include shopping malls, cinemas, salons, gymnasiums or public transport. And Arjun Sharma, chairman of Select, India's leading retail group, called for all controls to go. People actually are quite bottled up sitting at home in this lockdown and there is a degree of frustration. Yes, people have lost jobs. There have been salary cuts across middle India, upper India. And, but people still, Indians intrinsically are savers. So, for example, we're seeing that women are asking us, can we come back for makeup? People are asking, can we buy a toaster? I need a, a new Apple phone or I need a new charger. You know, so there is a different kind of customer. The customer is not king. The government decided as infection in India topped 42,000. But Varun Khetan of Urban Clap, India's largest at-home service provider, said he was looking at the future. We are looking forward to the future. So some of our businesses like home repair services have been allowed. So some part of our business has opened up and we are looking forward for the government to allow more and more lines of business to start opening up. And second, my point would be that the government should encourage e-commerce and home delivery of products as well as services because e-commerce overall reduces the number of contacts, enables distancing. But where are the delivery boys or the construction workers or those who kept cities running? Getting them back may not be that simple, warned analyst Sumit Pier. It is but natural when the workforce has migrated out of the cities, so the amount of money you need to pay to hire a person with the same skill will be slightly higher or much higher depending from town to town, what it was a one month back. Most important question is that is they were not meaningfully employed. They were only getting rations to survive, but what about the money, what about the health conditions? Point number two, they are all adults, they have a democratic right if they want to go into a village to see a wife, to see their kids, to see their ailing parents. So by which virtue, which law can the government of India stop them? Migrant workers fled cities en masse after Prime Minister Narendra Modi's lockdown left them suddenly unemployed added economist Sharad Kohli. They were unsure, they were insecure, they had run out of their savings, they had run out of their ration. There was a bit of a herd mentality also because some of them were fine. But when they saw that all their peers are going back, everybody joined the gangs. And the bigger problem now is that these people are not going to come back that soon. So where are you going to get the workforce from? Because now even if the establishments resume, they are not coming back anytime soon. So the, the million dollar question is, how will these establishments resume the work. There is no alternate workforce in this country. The exodus is still on and companies are already reporting massive labor shortages at ports and factories. Experts said the government must act before the lights go off. This is Rana Sen reporting from New Delhi. And that was Professor Talit Grayling of the University of Johannesburg speaking to Samora Mangesi.
The time is 43 minutes after 7 Central African time on Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa giving you news from an African perspective. Shortly after this will be the economics news with Tabiso Lehoko. For your latest update on the novel coronavirus COVID-19 for Channel Africa in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, I'm Coletta Wanjohi. Once contaminated, hands can transfer the virus to your eyes, nose or mouth. From there, the virus can enter your body and make you sick. Uh, apologies for that there. In a preliminary investigation to determine what matters for South Africans' happiness during the COVID-19 pandemic, the results show that the cumulative number of cases of the coronavirus seems not to matter. What matters are concerns about jobs and the lockdown regulations. These are the results of Professor Talita Grayling of the University of Johannesburg and the Auckland University of Technology's Dr. Stephanie Rizzo. The two, in collaboration with the Festero, launched South Africa's Happiness Index based on tweets extracted from Twitter last year in April. Professor Grayling explains. We've been measuring the happiness levels of South Africa, which is a measure of well-being, but subjectively measured, which is absolutely essential to economy. So it's an economic measure um, and has been in the rest of the world have been measuring happiness at a global level and at a national level um, about since the 1970s. So I think it's re- very relevant that South Africa follows suit. And uh, analyzing the tweets and the emotions underpinning these tweets, what are some of the major things that we can take away from them about how South Africans feel about this virus? At this stage, you can look at the happiness index and it's reported hourly on a website with the name of www.gnh.today and you will see that it varies from day to day. So it depends on at which stage you will be looking at. If we refer to um, the 30th of April or the 29th of April, that was the day that the announcements were made on the regulations, Um, determining level four and the restrictions of level four, you would have seen that the happiness index actually decreased. So, um, but since then it has increased slightly. If you are referring to analysis in which we look at what causes happiness or what um, really is what matters for South Africans on happiness, that will be a different study or different research. So it depends on what what are you looking at at this stage. Is it just the movement in happiness or are you looking at the reasons behind happiness? Why is it showing an upward or downward movement? How important do you think your findings are for the country's response at this crucial point in the fight against the pandemic? Well, I think it's absolutely essential because this is the mood. It's the sentiment. It's the well-being of the people. So if you don't consider this, you don't have a global idea of what the people think. This is the only measure in South Africa we have that can actually tell you what is the mood of the people in this in the country at at this stage. At And it gives you real-time data, which from a policy point of view is absolutely essential. We are in a boiling pot. We don't know what's going to happen at any stage on the economy, emotional side. So if we don't have any measure to measure that temperature where we are now, how do we know what policy measures to introduce 
to react to what's happening with COVID. We don't, this measure can tell you what is the fear among people. It can tell you what what actually intrigues the happiness. As we said, we measured various things like the number of COVID cases. At this stage, doesn't seem to matter to people. They're more concerned about job losses or more concerned about the fear about schooling or um, moving around. So these things are absolutely vital from a policy point of view to know. Is there a way that you think uh, we can help, you know, to allay this frustration and confusion? Well, obviously it would help a lot if all the regulations can be clarified because it's not that clear. A lot of confusion, a lot of contravening regulations does, that doesn't make sense to the public. Um, the logic doesn't always make sense. And we can understand that from the policy side because they had really limited time to set out all these measures. But definitely some clarification and transparency um, will if, if, the, if the public can understand the reasons behind these regulations, um, I, I believe it will be more acceptable and better accepted by the public. And lastly, the current sentiment of South Africans, uh, what is the likelihood that it can increase social unrest, protests and riots? What I see from tweets, there's a definite risk um, which policymakers must really consider. People will revert to public rights, and we know that from before, if they can't understand why these regulations are enforced. And at this stage, is also the regulations um, is a threat to the livelihoods of many people. So these are definitely considerations and risk factors which are very relevant in the country at this stage. That was Professor Talita Grayling of the University of Johannesburg speaking to Samora Mangesi. It is now time for the economics news with Tabiso Lehoko. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLab to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I've tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Good morning. 
Unions have confirmed that they're in talks with government to restructure South African Airways. The National Union of Metal Workers and the South African Cabin Crew Association say their engagements have been positive. Last week, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon instructed SAA's business rescue practitioners to extend the deadline for employees to accept retrenchment packages. Government wants to buy time to get funding and enable the process of restructuring. NIMSA spokesperson Pagamila Hlubi Machol. And we want to emphasize that SAA is being restructured. This is not a new airline because if it was a new airline, it would mean that SAA is being liquidated, which is something that we do not support. We support the restructuring of SAA. We are continuing with these engagements with DPE on this issue um, and we hope that once talks are concluded, um, that we will be able to turn around this airline for the long term and save as many jobs as possible. The Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association says it has filed court papers challenging the South African government's ban on the sale of cigarettes. This after President Sir Ramaphosa came out in defense of the decision in his weekly letter in which he asserts that the decision was taken collectively. His comments follow British-American tobacco's threat to take legal action against Cooperative Governance Minister Dr. Nkosazana Lamine Zuma if her office could not offer a formal response about why ban the sale of cigarettes remains in place. The British American Tobacco and the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association are pursuing separate litigation processes against the government. Fita chairperson Snint Antlamguni explains. The ban on the sale of cigarettes has many, many um, effects on the tobacco industry along the value chain. I mean, you would understand that the industry firstly employs a large number of people starting from the beginning phase where it's the farming, where it has farm workers and farmers, and then you have the processors, the manufacturers and the factory workers therein, and then you have retailers, which comprise hawkers and spaza shop owners. Um, so what we're saying is that the impact economically is quite significant, especially when you factor in the fact that the illicit trade in the sale of cigarettes is currently thriving as legitimate sales are not permitted during the lockdown period. The Citrus Growers Association of South Africa is calling for applications from individuals and associations with the 60% black ownership to tap into the transformation of black citrus growers program. The CGA says the program will create nearly 2,000 permanent and seasonal jobs in the citrus industry. It says it has sourced the funding from various agencies, including the Land Bank. Chief Executive Justin Chadwick says that this will help the country rebuild its economy amidst the COVID-19 outbreak. The project entails the rehabilitation or the planting of more hectares of citrus for black growers. This means that those growers will now become economic units and that that is often the problem is the amount of fruit that is actually produced by the black growers. We estimate that about just under 2,000 jobs will be created through this project and that approximately 60 black farmers will then achieve greater scale in their operations. Trade talks between Britain and the United States are scheduled to begin via video conference and call as the two countries seek to strike an ambitious free trade agreement. According to a government spokesperson, both sides have expressed their willingness 
To make a progress as quickly as possible, Britain left the European Union in January and is now negotiating future trade in terms with Brussels and other major economies. As the United Kingdom, or rather, as the Kingdom of Eswatini is in a partial lockdown, wholesaler Meatmasters has come to the rescue of its customers by offering home deliveries of its products to those within the Mbabane-Manzini corridor. The company, based at, at Matapa Industrial Site, is also offering a reasonable discount to all senior citizens as a way of appreciating them for their contribution to the development of the country and growth of the country. The Holy Swati owned company sells all kinds of meat products which they supply to different entities and establishments including hotels and restaurants. In your financial indicators at this hour, in Nigeria, the US dollar will cost you 388.9. In Botswana, 12 pula. In Kenya, it's 105 for shilling 89. And in Zambia, it will cost you 18 guacha 39. In BRICS currencies in Brazil, 1 US dollar is 5 real 52. In Russia, it's 75 ruble 15. In India, it's at 75 rupees. In China, a dollar is changing hands at 7 yuan 6. And in South Africa, it's 18 rand 71. The US dollar is also trading at 80 pence to the British pound and at 91 cents to the euro. A look at commodities markets now gold $1,705, platinum $760 per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is $26.82 a barrel from an African perspective. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. And that's a wrap for Africa Rise and Shine at this hour. From myself, Teddy Sibia, and the rest of the Africa Rise and Shine team, thank you so much for listening. For comments on the show, you can send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or you can send us a WhatsApp message to plus two seven seven six three double zero double three two seven. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Channel Africa, and also on Twitter at Channel Africa One. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Izita by Java featuring Bukhe Bendalo. Senyazo, 
Fully get a mabulin, 